Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on another edition of the Blue Tech Tasting Menu. Welcome, everybody. Well, it's the month of July, and we're in the middle of summer here in Ireland. While schools are closed and holidays are being planned, Blue Tech have been busy. In June, we enjoyed the resounding success of our sixth Blue Tech Forum event in Dublin. The event was very well received, with over 100 delegates attending from across the globe, ranging from Japan, Australia, parts of Europe and the USA. Now, two companies in particular, NVP Energy and Realtech, were selected as the 2017 Blue Tech Forum Award winners. Apart from Bluetech Forum, we're going to be out and about quite busy for the rest of the year. Bluetech will be hosting its Innovation Pavilion later this year at WefTech. Now, WefTech will take place in Chicago between the 30th of September to the 4th of October. We've chosen eight innovative water technology startups from around the globe to showcase at our pavilion. We believe these innovative technologies um, uh, address a range of issues and have the potential to create a long-lasting change. Apart from WefTech, we're also gearing up for the largest water trade show in Europe, which is Aquatech. This is being host. This is being held in Amsterdam. We'll be again hosting a separate pavilion at Aquatech. Um, we've had great success previously, um, even Aquatech Amsterdam 2015, where seven breakthrough technologies were featured. We will return this year with a new suite of innovations and we'll disclose more about this in due course. So as you can see, we're going to be out and about between now and Christmas, but apart from us, our technology assessment group members have also been attending some of the more niche events such as the Produced Water Society seminar attended by our tag member John Vale, as well as the Craft Brewers Conference attended by our tag expert Steve Gluck. Now, our tag members um, share their key takeaways from these events in our monthly intelligence briefings. So if you do have access to these documents, feel free to take a look at those as well. Now, in terms of research items, this summer has been a busy one. We've looked at a range of different topics, some of which we'll be sharing with you today and others over the coming weeks. This month, we completed an investigation of bio-based plastics or rather we've looked into producing plastics from wastewater. I'll be speaking to our research analyst Lauren Smith about this later. We also talk about our upcoming report on ballast water treatment and I'll speak to Judith Herschel Cole, a member of our technology assessment group and the author of the report too. So now back to bioplastics or is it bio-based plastics? Well, these terms are often misunderstood and therefore misused. So for everyone's benefit today, let's clarify what these terms mean. As we know, plastics can be made from either fossil sourced feedstocks or from renewable feedstocks such as corn, oil, cellulose, different types of grain and from wastewater. Now, both fossil based and bio based plastics can either be biodegradable, so they fully break down or non biodegradable. So the term bioplastics is used to include all plastics that are biodegradable, regardless of their makeup, as well as those plastics that come from renewable sources, regardless of whether they're biodegradable or not. So yes, what we're saying is that plastics, which are created from renewable sources, are not always biodegradable, and biodegradable plastics are not always created from renewable sources. 
Wow, what a mouthful. <laughs> so let's chat with the author of our Producing Bio-Based Plastics from Wastewater report, Lauren Smith, to find out more about this. Lauren, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Can you perhaps explain this further? I mean, this is an interesting way to view the market, but really, I suspect the majority of plastics produced today are fossil-based. But what portion is bio-based, i.e. produced from renewable sources, and what portion is biodegradable? Can you maybe talk us through it? Um, yeah, you're 100% right that the fossil-based plastics still dominate the market. Um, the total plastic market was worth around $600 billion towards, towards the end of 2016, with bio-based plastics only taking up around 1% of that market. So that means that 99% of the market is still centered around fossil-based plastics. Mm. So of that 1% of plastics that are currently being made from renewable resources, around 24% of those are biodegradable, while the other 76% are non-biodegradable. So this works out to a market size of around $1.4 billion for biodegradable plastics, biodegradable bio-based plastics, and around $4.6 billion for non-biodegradable bio-based plastics. Okay, so you mentioned the market size for bio-based plastics is worth $6 billion. What does this mean? I mean, how much of this or how big is the market for plastics produced from wastewater? So, of the plastics being produced from renewable resources, nearly all of them are currently being derived from food crops such as corn and sugar beets. Bio-based plastic production from wastewater is still very much in its infancy, currently making up only a tiny percentage of the bio-based plastics market. So there are a number of different wastewaters that have currently been investigated. Um, some examples are there's a company called Anox Kaldness who's recently produced the first kilogram of um, bio-based plastics from sewage. Other companies and research institutions have looked into using the starch and sugars in, for example, potato processing wastewaters or candy manufacturing plant wastewaters as well. Um, and people have also looked into pulp and paper facilities. Um, so each of these has some advantages and some disadvantages, but the main challenges um, are kind of separating the feedstock out from other compounds in the wastewater to feed the bacteria involved, separating out the bacterial biomass from the matrix once they've produced the biopolymers, and then separating out any contaminating substances such as other organics or heavy metals, etc., from this biomass before bioplastic production. So there's a fair amount of R&D in the area, but there are very few commercial plants and very few large companies involved in this area at the moment. The companies who are commercially producing bioplastics from wastewater generally seem to be focusing more on methane sequestration and carbon sequestration rather than actually focusing on the wastewater itself. So we expect that um, it'll be at least another five to ten years before we start seeing any kind of significant expansion in the bio-based plastic market, specifically from wastewaters. And finally, what is your overall verdict on this matter? You've mentioned that the overall bio-based plastics market is growing quickly. However, the use of wastewater as a feedstock for bio-based plastics presents itself with its own unique set of challenges and is still very much a tomorrow's market. So in your opinion, where do we need to go from here or what do we need to do to make this a reality in the short term? There are a number of major challenges in this industry that need to be dealt with, including optimizing the purity and functionality of the bio-based plastic, as well as finding solutions to issues around infrastructure. So if we're going to turn the methane from every sewage treatment plant into a biopolymer, this would then need to be transported to bioplastic manufacturers who can process the compound further and turn it into an end product. 
Considering how widely spread sewage treatment plants can be across a country, consolidating all of this could add significant extra costs and labor to a product that's already more expensive than its fossil-based counterpart. So right now, bio-based plastics market, well, right now, bio-based plastics are being driven mostly by large corporates who are looking for the positive publicity created by using these products. But they're still a nice-to-have and not a have-to-have. At the end of the day, for a product to find large-scale commercial success, it has to not only be possible to produce the product competitively in relation to similar products on the market, but it also needs to offer significant cost savings compared to, to traditional products, or it needs to solve a problem, be it a problem in um, production or a functional issue or a regulatory issue, etc. So bio-based plastics will need to find how they fit into this in order to really start making a dent in the fossil-based plastic market. Up until that happens, they'll remain in the niche, nice-to-have market rather than becoming the indispensable commodity that fossil-based plastics are today. Fantastic. Okay. Very insightful. We look well. The the, the report's been published. It's it's live on our platform. So uh, for all our uh, clients who have access to the BlueTech uh, platform, please log into www.bluetechresearch.com to read more. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Sylvia. Now, next, let's move on to ballast water treatment and find out what the recent regulatory big bang means for us all. Well, as you probably already know. Ballast water treatment refers to the treatment of water used as ballast by cargo ships when the ship is empty of cargo. Ballast water typically contains a variety of biological materials from the seawater where ballast water was taken from that can be harmful to local waters in which it's eventually going to be discharged. Now the market is driven by international regulations such as the International Maritime Organization, IMO, and US Coast Guard. The International Maritime Organization requires all ships to implement a ballast water and sediments management plan, and many companies are starting to offer technologies for the disinfection of ballast water. However, in a market that was once thought to be worth billions, commercial progress has been slow. I catch up with our expert on the subject and lead author of our upcoming report, Judith Herschel Cole, to find out more. Judith, thank you very much for joining us. What is your take on where the market has been so far? Well, thank you for having me. And uh, to address the market and its status presently, in some ways, it's been in a holding pattern for some years. Ship owners have been waiting for the regulations to come into effect. At nearly the same time, the two primary regulated organizations, mm-hmm. the International Maritime Organization, or IMO, ratified its regulations September 8th of last year, 2016. And these regulations come into effect exactly one year after the ratification date. And the U.S. Coast Guard approved several systems late in 2016, thus beginning their requirement to have ballast water systems in ships in U.S. waters. Right. Some expected the market to peak in about 10 years ago, but now the peak is expected to be in the next two to three years. So for this reason, the decision for companies to enter or aggressively market to this sector is now, and the window will be quickly closing. Okay, so we predict the market will peak in the next two to three years or so, but what's the size going to be in dollar value? I mean, how big a market can we expect? Although the estimates of the market size vary, 
The most reliable market information shows that the market over the next five years cumulatively will be 18.5 billion to 28 billion in U.S. dollars. Well, that sounds like a big market figure, 18 to 28 billion. Wow, in the next five years. Okay. Yes, a lot of estimates were higher than that mm -hmm. as we delved into it deeper and deeper. We've taken the more conservative side of the numbers that uh, we've uncovered. Mm -hmm. Right. So, in terms of an overall verdict or summary, Judith, we're predicting the market to be worth anywhere between 18 to 28 billion. And these are conservative estimates, so it can be higher. We're expecting the market to peak in the next two to three years. So really, the opportunity for technology companies to offer disinfection technologies is, is now. The uh, balanced water market is expected to have dramatic growth for about five or six years. There's a five-year implementation period. Mm -hmm. There are some that are getting extensions, uh, short extensions on that. So could go into uh, 2023. Then it will settle into a market size of about half a billion per year in U.S. dollars. This market is to address new systems primarily. If systems are built to be seaworthy, the ballast water systems are expected to last for the life of the ship. Great. Thanks very much, Judith. We look forward to reading the report. Now, for our audience, Judith will be hosting a live webinar on the topic on the 14th of September. So if you are interested in signing up to attend the webinar, please visit the Bluetech website at www.bluetechresearch.com or get in touch with us using the contact us form on our page. Great. Well, thank you for listening all. Next week, we'll share updates on other research areas such as microbial encapsulation and what the impacts of this breakthrough technology is having in the water sector. Until then, have a good day. Great. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Next week, we'll share updates on other research areas such as microbial encapsulation and what the impacts of this breakthrough technology is having in the water sector. But until then, all the best and have a good day.